What's going on, ATL gang? It's your boy Tuan here. We just finished recording a podcast with Murphy Bernatowski, who's a professional basketball player, trainer, coach, and a really good friend of the pod. So he just takes us through his journey as an NCAA athlete, his experiences playing professional basketball all around the world. Uh, we had a great conversation with Murph. He brought a lot of insights to the conversation, and um, he's a huge basketball junkie. So please enjoy. Welcome to episode 30 of the ATL podcast. Today we have an amazing episode lined up for y'all. We have a special guest joining us this morning and we're excited to have him on to talk hoops. But before we get there, let's check in with our boy Nav. What's going on, baby? Not much, man. I'm excited about this podcast. It's been a long time since uh, I've connected with this special guest. So looking forward to it. For sure. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm there with you. You know, our guest this morning is a former Canadian men's national team member at the junior, university, and senior level. He's played basketball all around the world for the last seven years with notable stops in Switzerland, Poland, the Czech Republic, and most importantly, Vietnam. A four-year NCAA student athlete where he won male athlete of the year at Colgate University in his senior year. Welcome to the pod, our buddy and good friend, Murphy Bernatowski. What's up, baby? How you doing? Thanks for having me. You know, we're good, man. We're good. How are you holding up out there in the East Coast? Uh, probably a little bit better than you guys, for sure. Uh, things are pretty pretty back to normal here. I mean, we have some flare-ups every now and then when we go into like a little mini shutdown. But for the most part, uh, life is back to normal besides, you know, not having much of a season this year. But uh, it's been good. You know, I can't complain. Some people have a whole lot worse. So I find it funny how Atlantic Canada basically said, fuck all you. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, are, pretty much. They just closed the borders. And every time, like, every time I'm like, ah, oh, like, I'd love to go back to Halifax and visit. It's, it's like a knee jerk reaction. Oh, wait, they won't, they won't have us. Yeah, but it, it seems like to the rest of the Canada, it's like Atlanta, Canada, but we're cutthroat for, for ourselves too. Like we'll kick uh, Newfoundland out. They kicked Halifax or Nova Scotia out for a bit when we our cases went up there. It's cutthroat to be in this uh, special group. True colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Murph, how, how are your parents doing? How are Kev and Lori and even your, your siblings doing? Uh, everyone's good. You know, uh, I mean, staying, staying uh, safe and healthy and, uh, I think my parents are going to come out east for the first time. So they got to quarantine and stuff because uh, I'm getting surgery in a couple of weeks. So they might come out and hang around, take care of the dog while I'm uh, under the weather a little bit. But uh, everyone's good. Thanks for asking. What's uh, what's going on with your knee? Is it just from the years of, of playing ball? Yeah, more or less just wear and tear. I don't have a lot of cartilage left in my left knee. So I've just been doing stuff physio wise to try to correct some of the movement patterns and then I'm getting a little bit, a little bit of a surgery and we'll see if there, there's going to be a major comeback or not, but uh, I haven't really made any decisions on that yet. Yeah. We're rooting for you, man. Hopefully the, that, that goes well and uh, we'll definitely keep, keep tabs on you while, uh, while that process is going on. How, uh, how's Carmen, how, how's she doing and uh, what's going on there? She's good. She's, uh, she's delivering a lot of babies this month. So she's like, <laughs> She's, uh, she's been busy, but uh, she's happy. She's only got a couple months left in residency and then she's done. So 
everything is uh is pretty good so far that's awesome man good to hear good to hear um yeah so yeah let's get this let's get started obviously you're one of the guys that have really lived and breathed basketball for the majority of your life you know you um were one of the first athletes to join NIDA, which is one of the the um, elite development programs here um, in Ontario and even in Canada uh, back in the late 2000s. Um, and so I know you definitely benefited from a lot from that. So what was your experience like playing um, at that program, playing with elite players and kind of having that two-a-day mindset uh, for the last few years of your high school career? I think that was everything just from a mindset, uh, mindset to a physical standpoint to what, whatever way you want to look at it. It like really just changed my outlook on basketball because before that it was always just more of a, a hobby, something I loved, but like, you know how it is growing up playing sports in high school. Like I was playing football and rugby too at the time. Basketball was obviously my number one sport, but it wasn't until I went there where I was kind of like, okay, well, maybe a scholarship is on the table. Maybe this is on the table because I, 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 you're playing against different caliber, play, caliber players that have done different things. And I mean, we were playing CIS schools at the time and, and beating them like every time. <laughs> so uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was awesome. And Greg Francis was our coach here and he, he you know, really broke down the game. And we, it was kind of similar to a lot of the seasons that kids are having this year is we, we weren't having really games. We got in a game here and there, like, you know, preseason against the CS teams, but we didn't have a set team of play because we were the first tech, like pretty much the first prep school in Canada at the time. Mm-hmm. It was before this craze had started where, you know, now there's tens or hundreds. I don't even know how many there are across Canada now, but uh, we were kind of like the, the first one. So we were kind of just going with the flow and, and pretty much just focusing on the, the skill aspect and, and learning the game from like the smallest, baseline level to the most complex stuff yeah i mean i want to jump in right quick because uh murph like just from the outside looking in and like knowing you playing with you um for as long as we did which was not very long but i i honestly don't think i've seen a player and i'm i'm being completely genuine i don't think i've seen a player make a bigger leap than you did because i feel like your growth and development happened extremely quick um let's be honest like when you were starting off and playing basketball, like there was a lot of um, like, you know, your, your coordination wasn't there. Like you were just sort of like, you were so big and you grew so fast and um, everything started to click for you so quick. And um, I feel like Nita happened at probably the perfect time because, you know, high school basketball wasn't going to facilitate how rapid your game was growing. And it was perfect timing. Like, I feel like it, um, it helped you transition into the player that you've obviously become, but um, what's your opinion on the landscape now? Because like you said, you were pretty much the pioneer of the prep school era and now they're a dime a dozen. So, you know, going through it and what's, what's your opinion on uh, how things have, have changed? Um, it's, it's tough to say, you know, obviously some programs are doing it right. Like when you look at like, Orangeville Prep or, you know, I, I don't even know too many, but like Rise Academy. I know there's a few really good ones in, uh, in Ontario, but it's just, I feel like there's too many because as, as big as the basketball world in Canada is, it's also small. And 
high school basketball wasn't even the highest level when we were playing, you know, there's, you know, good, when we played Eastern Conference, they had seven or eight D1 guys. That was, that was the team to beat kind of thing. But, but now I feel like the whole system's a little diluted because some, some of the best kids are leaving the States. Some of the best kids are going to prep school. And then some of the kids uh, are staying in high school. And then, so now, you know, the competition's kind of spread thin. I mean, I haven't watched as much high school basketball as I'm sure a lot of other people who keep up with it have, but from just my opinion, I just, I know players are getting better, but I can't imagine it's uh, as competitive as it once was. For you, Murph, um, you know, again, at that time, it wasn't like social media was flooding our, our attention spans with like ball is life or overtime, uh, basketball channel so what was your recruitment like uh before you got to you got before you got to Maine like did you have a lot of interest from from different coaches uh, across the border did you have a lot of interest from the CIS at that point so what was what was your recruitment like uh for you um after your final year at NIDA uh yeah so I didn't have a lot of uh I didn't have a lot of recruitment to be honest Obviously the CIS schools were on us hard um, because they knew about our program. They knew about the caliber of players we had there, but uh, U.S. schools didn't really know about us. We were very, you know, just a random little organization and we we didn't go to the States enough to really get that notoriety. So really the only, only a couple schools had seen me play from the States and uh, University of Maine was one of them and and they recruited me and, uh, one of my teammates, Mike Allison, very hard. And, and ultimately that was the school I ended up going to, but it, it was, a, it was a coin flip between uh, university of Ottawa and Maine really down to the wire. And then I just kind of said, you know, I want to take a chance on division one. Yeah, for sure. And uh, how was your experience like um, in the two years that you were there um, in Maine? I know you were definitely a um, contributor in the first few years. I know you have always been a great defender and I know you were working on your shot that time. And, you know, just what, what was your experience like um, going to Maine, going out on the East Coast, kind of a, a more mid-level mid, mid uh, program? Um, how did you like your experience there um, in Maine for the, uh, for the two years there? Uh, it was great. Uh, I learned a lot. It was very different. I think I finally kind of understood what basketball at the next level meant. Because although I had played like junior national and stuff, it was a very, I was in my comfort zone. I knew the coach, you know, I'd been playing for him for two years. I knew all the players, your buddy buddies. When you go to the States for school, you're kind of walking into like this, this new war zone and everyone, it's very competitive, even on your own team. You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that people don't realize the amount of competitiveness within your own team. It's almost like everyone's clawing for that, that top dog spot. And, uh, and you definitely have to pay your dues. I remember my, my freshman year, the first couple of games, I only played like two or three minutes. And just that alone can really like set you back and you can lose confidence. But luckily I, I stuck with it and by the game, I think it was game six or seven. I was actually ended up starting, but a lot of that's just, you know, uh, perseverance and just kind of, you know, being a little bit of luck for sure too. My Mer camera cut out. Do you want me to try to figure this out? No, that's all right. No, it's fine. Okay, it's, okay. It's, it's better this way, Murph. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
no, I was going to ask like, so how much did Nita prepare you for the uh, collegiate experience? Because I think that's one of their selling features, right? Like you develop the mindset of a collegiate athlete early, you do the two a days. Um, did it help? Uh, unbelievably, like just from a, a load standpoint, like we were practicing at least once a day for two or three hours we were lifting we were getting all that extra stuff in we were shooting in the morning some days um from that standpoint like I was prepared that didn't shock me at all the workload and and now being on the other side of it I kind of see like sometimes with younger athletes freshman athletes it kind of like is a shock to their system especially if you're on like just a normal high school team where you have your normal high school season and it's you know maybe four practices a week and it's kind of chill and whatever it is that part of it I was super prepared for um, and then from a learning standpoint, I would say I was even more prepared because I had been a role player on my NIDA team for so many years. You know, I had guys like Kelly Olenek, Mangisto Arup, like some really high level players and I had to fit in. I wasn't going to get that normal, like 30 shots a game, like top high school players get on their team. Usually like I was shooting 10 shots a game. I had to make the most of it. And I was kind of a uh, uh, versatile all-round defensive player and and that's kind of prepared me for what to expect at that next level too because I think a lot of guys the biggest part is being that the man on your high school team and then trying to make that transition to especially if it's a high level university team like you might not play for the first two or three years like it's it's a long it's a long road to get to you know being the best player on the team and not a lot of people can do that as the, in their first or second year I know yeah. I didn't I think you've seen every angle of basketball as a player, um, whether it was, you know, start, like I said earlier, like starting off, uh, just being a complete beginner, your growth happens so quickly. And all of a sudden, like you're the star player. Um, I don't think there's a player that I can think of that's seen basketball from literally every angle like you have. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, uh, when I was young, I wasn't a great player, like Tuan was a 6'2 center starting over me when he was a year older than me, right? Like, so, yeah. I mean, that was in ninth grade. And then pretty much between the end of ninth grade and the end of 10th grade was like my biggest growth. Like I remember I hadn't even dunked before going into 10th grade I, I, in, in a game. And I dunked the very first game against Resurrection trying out for the senior team. And I was like, oh, wow, that, that was cool. And then I didn't dunk again the whole entire season. Like not one time, I thought it was going to be like a, a weekly occurrence, but, and then near a club, we, when we were playing club Tuan, we were playing some Northern Toronto or Northern Ontario team. And I remember I just had like three drives and dunks in the lane, like on people, like, and Keith threw one off the backboard and I dunked it. Like, and one of the other team members was like, Whoa, like how often do you dunk the ball? I was like, this is my second, third, and fourth time dunking ever in a game. It just happens to be all in a row against you guys. So it was, uh, it was like a quick flip of the switch near the end of grade 10 where, and that's when Offsa was, and that's when I really got some, uh, some uh, looks from Nita and that kind of stuff because I played well against Eastern Conference and, some, uh, and Andrew Nicholson's like father, uh, Gate or Goats or whatever his school he went to. Uh, I had some good showings against those teams. And I think that's what kind of put me on the map. Well, I think like Murph, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but it, it happened so organically. I remember against, I think father Gates or Eastern commerce, like you just started shooting threes. Like 
mid, like in game, you just started taking them and making them. And it was just like, all right, yeah, Murph shoots threes now. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, we're, we're just going to run with this. Yeah. And, and I remember too, because just because against those schools, they have such quick guards and such good, like defensive guards that like some of our guards maybe are not used to playing in our conference that we play in. Right. And so it was a lot harder for them to bring up the ball. And I remember at one point, our coach was just like, well, Murphy, you're kind of faster than all the other centers or you're a little bit better ball handler. So you just bring up the ball. And then for our last few games, I would just kind of get us into the offense. And that's something I had never done before, but it wasn't that hard either because like they said, I was playing the center position and most of the other centers were bigger and slower and I just didn't really have a hard time with it. So it worked out well for us, obviously, but uh, it was just kind of, yeah, it just kind of happened. You're, you're not wrong in saying that. <laughs> Yeah, man, I remember that that game. It was, I think it was against Henry Carr, and the the center was, I think his name was Curtis Trottier or something. This big, yeah, Curtis Trotter. Yeah. yeah, Trotter. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, he was a little slower, but he was a huge, he was a beast inside. And then Maloney was like, "Hey, Murph, we just want you to bring out the ball," and you just started shooting threes. And <laughs> I think you got a bunch in. I'm like, man, I've never seen this before. And I think that, like, that was probably your. Um, defining high school moment because I believe right after that you went on to play for the junior national team I, I know there was a picture floating around with you and uh, I believe jo like John House and like um, Corey Joseph around some someone's like backyard I still remember that picture but um, and then the next year yeah you kind of just took off from there and kind of led you into um, Nita into, into Maine so you know my next question is you said you had a great time at Maine for two years. So why did you transfer over to Colgate? And what was your experience like at, at Colgate University there in Hamilton, New York? Uh, it, yeah, it's crazy looking back. Like, obviously, when you're going through it, you're not really, you don't really have the, the, the forethought to, like, really think about why something's happening or whatever it is. But, like, looking back now, I, I, I do think I made the right decision. But I just didn't know why I was making it at the time. Like, obviously, I just wanted playing time or whatever it is. But university was great. You know, first year I was there, I was um, a starter, pretty much playing 25 minutes a game on the third team. We had one of Maine's best records in years and years. The year before I got there, they were like 11 and 19. And then my rookie year, we were 19 and 11. We finished third place in the league. And we had a lot of we had a good senior point guard. We had a lot of pieces. Um, and I, I played pretty well in average five points, but I was just, you know, that kind of glue guy that, you know, guarded the best player on the other team, shot the three, rebounded, and did a little bit of everything, which is kind of what I've done my whole career. And then my second year, I actually had a really good start to the season, had like 20 points against Penn State and an upset win, had 17 on Maryland. Like I had some good games. And then I just kind of hit that sophomore, uh, sophomore, what do they call it? Sophomore the wall yeah the wall and it just it was about around christmas time and i just really didn't wasn't wasn't playing great and i wasn't really getting along with my coach i think i was kind of growing at a faster pace than than he than the team could handle and i i think part of it's on me and i think part of it's definitely on 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 that situation but um i just was i was feeling a little bit constricted like from a, from a being able to like kind of play my game standpoint. And then, so we didn't see eye to eye. And I ended up not really playing the second half of the year. And um, just kind of from all that, I just decided it was probably best to go the other way. 
But the problem was, you know, at Christmas time, I was averaging 12 or 13 points. But then the second half of the season, I was only playing like three, four minutes a game. So that point per game went down to like only five points per game. So transferring the only schools that were really showing interest were the ones that I would have played against that like I did really well against They're like, well, this guy killed us. Like we should recruit him. Like why? I don't know. understand why he's transferring. So I had a lot of help from uh, guys in, in Canada basketball, like Leo Rounds and uh, Roy Rana, because I was running with them in the summer. And that was the first year I was actually involved with the, the men's national team and Leo's last year coaching. And he was, he was great. Um, he really helped out. And uh, I actually was looking at Marquette a little bit to go there, but it just seemed a little bit last minute. So I, I decided on Colgate because it was, you know, a great school. And that was the most important thing for me at the time is if I can't play at Maine, what makes me think I can play anywhere else? So I might as well get a good education while I'm at it. But uh, I mean, Colgate turned out to be an unreal experience just from everything from the culture to the coaches to, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a beautiful place to live. It was close to home. It just, it really turned out to be the perfect thing. I, I wasn't, couldn't be happier with my decision to do it. And I know that, uh, Colgate's actually playing in the, the Patriot League championship today. I believe they're playing Loyola. Is that, is that, is that right? It's like right after, it's like in an hour, right? Yeah, yeah. they play at uh, one o'clock. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So are you still in, so are you still in touch with um, the coaches there? Are you um, doing any sort of um, alumni work in terms of helping out with the players there at, 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 with any sort of capacity? Um, just trying to give back to the team at all? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm still in touch with the coaches. But when the coaches got there, I was actually their very first recruit. When we, because the, the coach had a, a turnover, and um, the the assistant coach or the head coach Matt Langle came from Temple, and you know he was uh, he went to Penn for university, and a couple other guys who were coaching there went to Penn, and you know they were just a very smart, very player first coaching staff, and. Uh, I didn't really realize it at the time. Obviously, I liked the, the system that I was in, but I didn't realize how good of a coach he was at the time. And, you know, just looking back now, I mean, we, we paid our dues. Like, we weren't a great team when I was there. But, you know, two or three years after I left, they really hit their stride. And they've been in the top two or three positions of the league. He's won coach of the year twice. He probably could have won it four times to be honest. Um, and they've, they've won a couple, a couple titles. So, you know, coming from the only time Colgate was really good before that was when the Donald Foyle was, was there. And that's mm -hmm. a whole nother story about why he went there. But, um, you know, he really single-handedly along with his assistant coaches turned the program around. So, you know, the, the level of coaching they have, you can really just, I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent. And I, I didn't realize that when I was there, but looking back now, you know, there's a reason why I learned the game the way I did. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And since we're talking about hindsight now, like as Tuan mentioned, you're probably like a year away from the social media era. And I think if, you know, your game was captured on social media, I think that, you know, blue chip schools would have definitely been in the works and maybe an option. Do you, do you think about that often or are you, happy with the way that it panned out and being a, you know, a big fish in a small pond at over at Colgate. Yeah. I mean, definitely part of me wonders like what, what, ha what would happen if I, I did go to, you know, Marquette or, or whatever it was, 
but you know i just enjoyed my time at colgate so much and, and the degree i got from there is you know invaluable and it's it's uh i i grew a lot as a person in general i know that's kind of like a cliche thing to say but um i definitely think i became a better person while i was at colgate yeah uh, you know it's funny murph because um and i don't want to jump too far but I've said this a lot about the AUS. I think the AUS is the best basketball conference in Canada and only because of the things outside of basketball. When like I take Owen Klassen for an example, and I got to uh, be beside that guy for a year. Um, Well, just, I got to observe him for a year and talk about a big fish in a small pond. Like when you're out East, you, you really get to run the show. If you're a star player, whether you're Simon Fareen or Owen Klassen, um, you you run the show and it's so much more than basketball when you get to like get that community support. No, for sure. And I, we definitely had a cold game. Uh, even now that they're, they're winning, their support is, is unreal there. And it's such a small community and, you know, everyone, everyone knows them now. And it's, it's really cool to see, but as you were saying, Juan, even uh, so I, I, my first five or six years when I, after I graduated, I'd go back every summer and run some camps there and stay in touch with the coaches one of my groomsmen in my, in my wedding is actually an assistant coach there now. He was my roommate when I was at Colgate. So he's kind of risen up the ranks there. And the coaches are, you know, mostly all still there. So I definitely keep tabs. I know most of the players. I've, I've met them. I've played against them. Um, I'm at the point now where no one I played with is still there. A few years out of that. But uh, it's still good to watch these young guys who, you know, I know some of them personally and, and watch how much they've grown, especially – you know, they have this one senior point guard, Jordan Burns, who's just been an absolute stud his whole career. But just he's he's really grown as, you know, I think a leader on the floor. And I think that's if you have a point guard that's a, a true like all star leader position in March, you're a tough team to beat. That's for sure. Yeah. And you, like I mentioned before, in your in your final year, you did win, you know, male athlete of the year, which obviously is such a huge huge accomplishment. Um, and, you know, following that, it was kind of, you know, you, you're, you're trying to play professional, you're looking for your first contract. Um, what, what, what were the steps that you had to take to ensure that you, you were able to land, land a job uh, playing basketball after um, your senior year at Colgate? Honestly, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I had <laughs> no idea what to think about. It. Like, that's one of the things that I think uh, I wish I had more help on. And even, even through my first couple of years playing pro, I just, you don't really know what's important. You don't know the leagues. You don't know what the right moves is. Like if, if I was to do it all over again, I probably would do something completely different. Um, but with that being said, you, you pretty much, after my junior year, I was averaging like almost 18 points a game in the NCAA. So I started having some guys, uh, some agents reach out after that year. Now, obviously, I wasn't really allowed to talk to them at all. I just said, no, I'm going to wait until my senior year. But then I had a few that, you know, that had just been in contact throughout the year and just saying, like, good game, blah, 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 whatever it was. And so I just kind of reached out after the year, and we kind of met up, and I ended up signing, you know, an American agent out of Chicago. And he got me a pretty pretty good gig in, in Poland, which is, like, where my grandfather's from so I was hoping to try to get a passport because there's a whole bunch of rules when it comes to playing overseas if you have your passport it can mean a big big uh pay jump because you can play as a local 
but uh, my first year overseas, honestly, it, it's, it's funny looking back because it's something you dream about your whole life playing pro. And then I got there and it was just not what I expected. You know, like I just wasn't really happy doing it. It was just, it was a total grind. Just, I was anxious out of my mind. I was living in a country I didn't really love. And it was just a real, like, well, I just spent 20 years of my life trying to get here and here isn't that, isn't that great. You know, it was kind of uh, some revelation that I, I really was shocking, but I think a little bit of it was just, you know, being in a new city, not playing well or whatever it was, you know, I, I was definitely not in my groove. Yeah, definitely. Like I think the, the kids nowadays think, you know, playing professional basketball is, um, you know, it's a dream of a lot of kids, but they don't understand having to go to another country. If you're not playing in the NBA, you're going to apply to another country that you don't know the language. There's definitely going to be a culture shock. Um, you're trying to get accustomed to not only a new playbook, a new coach, new teammates. So, um, you know, what, what's, what's one thing that you had wished you, you, you knew as you entered your professional um, career playing basketball? I think the biggest thing is I entered my professional career like I entered college, like just trying to do the little things right, trying to be that like you know, when you, when you enter college, you want to be that supportive glue guy. You want to, you know, work hard. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to just be, you know, you just want to try to get minutes, right? You just, if I get some minutes and I can maybe prove myself when you're going, coming in as a pro, whether you're a rookie or a 15 year pro, whatever it is, you just got to come in and think you're the man because at the end of the day, they're paying you to win you games. So if you're coming in with the mindset of, I just want to be a good teammate and whatever happens, happens. Like I was eaten up real quick. And not only that, it was my first year, I was 22 years old. And the next youngest guy on my team was 28. So I had six, <laughs> you know, five plus year vets on my team. And, uh, you know, a Macedonian asshole of a coach that <laughs> literally like when he met me was like, Oh, I thought you were going to be taller and I don't like coaching rookies. So I was like, well, what wow. am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do now? Like, what do I even respond to that? And I had basically a couple pro games, like maybe three or four pro games where I don't think I played bad. You know, I had, you know, maybe average 10 points, five rebounds kind of thing, like just classic, like first couple games. And then he instantly went and got a, a new three guard to play over me. And I basically sat the bench for the first three, four years of my pro career while just getting like berated by this coach. And I was just like, whoa, like what is happening? And, you know, I got to the point where I, I mean, I was probably the best shooter on the team, but by the time, you know, game started and, and everything was going, I had lost all confidence. Like I couldn't hit a three if you gave me a hundred shots. Like that's how bad it was mm -hmm. at that point. So, you know, just my mentality going into it was just, so different and it just really like and you know I let the coach take me out of the game like take me out of my like comfort zone and all this stuff but honestly that was the biggest teaching point going forward for the rest of my career I think uh, although it was hard and it actually set me back in a big way when it comes to you know playing at a high level or whatever it was it did teach me like a super big like lesson go moving forward and like what my mindset needed to be and stuff like that. Yeah, so with your first setback um, playing playing for uh, Roklaw, I think that's what they were called, right? The, the Polish team? Yeah, um, Black Wroclaw. Yeah, so 
Um, you know, you've also been able to um, have a you know long career so far. So where has been your favorite place to play? And what's been your fondest memory as a professional, either it be in, you know, in Switzerland, um, in Czech Republic, I know you were even out in like Cyprus, in Vietnam and Thailand, um, you know, what's, what's your favorite place to play? And, um, you know, what's, yeah, what's your fondest memory as a professional? I'd have to say my favorite place, just because it was so at that point in my career, I was you know, five, six years into playing and I kind of had my feet under me, knew what to expect. I think playing in Vietnam was the coolest because it was just, it was just such a culture shock and, you know, traveling in all those Southeast Asian countries that I probably would have never been to, like seeing the world, parts of the world that I've never seen, playing in front of like the most passionate fans, like the type of fans that you walk down the street, you're giving out autographs. And it's just not quite like that on for the leagues I played in in Europe. You know, obviously I was never in, you know, ACB and stuff like that. But, you know, those middle of the middle of the pack leagues in Europe, I just uh, they weren't quite the same. But uh, in Vietnam, it was just it was such a cool experience and the food and and the culture. It was it was really different. And it really uh, I mean, it, I, I wouldn't have traded that for anything. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you've been there. I mean, you know, it's just it, for someone who's spent. You know, I've never been to really Southeast Asia before that. It was just, it was an experience, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I know in Vietnam, obviously the number one sport is soccer. Yeah. But there has been a huge growth um, in Vietnam, which, which I find kind of, like, I find kind of funny because everyone there is so short and um, whatnot. But, you know, they, they definitely have a huge presence in having the Saigon heat. Um be a team kind of be that be that team for Vietnam and then them having success especially with you playing there I know you guys made the playoffs um when you were there and you know they've had success in the last few years as well um you know what what did you enjoy so much uh about Vietnam outside of you know the I know the the fans are a little crazy they they, they can get really energetic they can be very wild at times but you know what's what what's kind of what what, what brought you joy when you played there? Uh, I think part of it was I hadn't been, you know, that, that go-to guy in high school before. Like even when I was in ninth grade, I was, we had better players. And then when I was in 10th grade, I moved up to senior. So I was still a role player. And then I went to Nita where I was a role player. And then I was at Maine where I was a role player. And then I went to, um, then I went to Colgate and then I, you know, I was a little bit more of the man, but in NCAA basketball, it's, it's a little different. You're, you're still playing really like solid X's and O's basketball. Um, and then once you go to Europe, you know, Europe's pretty high level and there's a few teams where I, you know, shot a lot, but in Vietnam, like the, the style of basketball in Southeast Asia, it's, it's so up and down. And like, there'd be games where I shot 23s, you know, it, it really felt like a little bit of like a high school atmosphere in that way that you could just go out and really just like hoop like you're playing pickup, which was like kind of new to me, but it was, it was so fun. And it was, uh, it was very, it was a very different experience of being a pro than, than I was used to. Uh, Murph. So you, you just mentioned that you're having surgery on your knee just due to kind of the, the impact of playing basketball for the last six, seven years. Um, not trying to put you on the spot here, but do you plan to continue playing professionally after, after you get that surgery? And are you going to pursue that um, to the fullest? Um, 
I'm not sure yet. I think that's kind of something I'm just going to see how my body responds to the surgery. Uh, I'm almost 30 now. So, I mean, I still have some years left if I want to. Like you see LeBron doing what he's doing at like 36. It's unbelievable. It makes me respect him even more. But uh, I'm just going to take it in stride and see how it feels. I think I'm probably done going overseas unless there's some short little contract I get. But if there's a chance to, see to play in, you know, the NBL or the CBL, I think that's something that I would uh, take pretty seriously and, and try to come back just to kind of go out on my own terms, maybe after a season or two. Are the Halifax Rain men still there? So they're the Hurricanes now, but the NBL just uh, announced, I think last week, that they're canceling their season for this season, which is pretty much expected at this point. Um, but hopefully if, if they come back next year, that would be like a dream scenario where I can be in the city, still, you know, work with Dow and uh, maybe get a little playing in at the same time and, and feel young again. Do you have any eligibility right now? Well, I only played, well, I, I, play, I did five years at NCAA, but I used all four years of eligibility, but I'm just waiting for them to change the rule that you can do a fifth year in, uh, in U sports and then I'm, I'm coming back in a big way. I feel like it's <laughs> going to be frustrating. Uh facilitating those practices and just knowing that you can body half your players all your players i could <laughs> I, I i sometimes on a good day I, i'll jump in and we'll play some threes or whatever it is and some days it goes good and other days it doesn't go so good and sometimes the next morning i wake up and i can't stand up and then some other days i wake up feeling good so it's kind of i'm just at the mercy of my body right now and uh you know since my injury i've lost like 30 pounds i've I'm in the best shape of my life, honestly, but I just, I just got to get that knee right. And physio has been helping. So I'm probably feeling the best I've felt since the injury, which is good. Um, and hopefully, you know, the injury is not too invasive and I can be back in a couple months, but we'll see what happens. I know you played for St. John's, St. John's edge, right? Uh, of the NBL. And you had a notable star on your team, Glenn uh, Big Davy Davis. Do you have any funny stories that you could share with us with, with playing with him? I know obviously uh, any NBA fan knows him with the uh, Celtics, with the Magic. Um, you know, he's always been that kind of hothead guy. Do you, do you have any funny stories playing with him um, at St. John's? I mean, I got a bunch of funny stories, but I will say that uh, he, is, he, he is like one of the biggest um, – characters one of the biggest like he's, he's so funny he's so sporadic like you never know what he's gonna do next and it definitely was one of the one of the like the most interesting times in my career I love St. John's it was so much fun like it was just like such a different experience playing in Canada for the first time and especially that uh, organization because they do such a good job there but uh yeah big baby was it was such an experience playing with him and you know he, he was a hell of a player like there'd be some five minute spans where he'd just have like 15 five and five and five minutes and you're looking like this guy's a freight train going and then you get a little gas and he need a break but um you know i guess the funniest thing would be he liked to wear his practice jerseys pretty small so i think you've probably seen a lot of viral videos he'd always be walking around with his little uh you know, tube top basketball jerseys. And it was pretty, pretty sight to be seeing him walking around the whole uh, arena like that. But uh, no, it was good playing with him. He, he was a funny guy. And, you know, we, I thought we played pretty good off each other, especially with him being like the low pro post presence and me kind of being a stretch four. 
we had some, uh, we definitely had some good games together and had a pretty good run there. You know, on that note with, with um, Big Baby, you know, having a pretty good NBA career, um, who's the best player you've ever had to guard or played against um, either through college or professionally? Um, you know, any names that just come to mind when you, you think of some of the best guys that you've um, play, uh, played against? Um, for sure. Uh, probably when I, when I was young, that first year I was playing on the senior national team, we played, uh, team France and they had Tony Parker and Nicholas Batum. And I just remember thinking, cause I was still young at the time. I was only 19 and that was really the first time I was playing at a professional level. Um, every, I was guarding Nicholas Batum and every time I took like one step above him that I just like lost him in my peripheral, he'd just go back door for an alley-oop. And like, and Tony Parker would obviously throw it. And there's like, I mean, I don't know if they connect, like they definitely connected on a couple, put me and Kelly in a poster in a couple. But uh, I just remember thinking like, how the hell am I supposed to guard this guy? If like every time I turn my head, he's just going for a dunk. Like, it, uh, what do I do? Like, I remember being really, really confused at that time. But honestly, the best player I've ever played against is, is probably Kelly. And maybe that's mm-hmm. because I've, I've played with him in a lot of open gyms and maybe not as many times in a professional setting, but you know, his skill set and what he can do at seven feet tall. It's just when I was there in the summer, like there'd be a lot of guys, like I, I was with the Raptors for years, but I mean, the skill set that Kelly has was, is unbelievable. And I, I know he's uh, he has some big games and I don't know if he's exactly found the, the perfect spot for him in his career, but like, I mean, for a guy that's seven feet tall, can move the way he moves, can shoot the ball the way he does, can handle, can pass. Like he's got, he's got quite the skill set, and uh, I don't, I don't think I've played many guys with that, with that, at that caliber, I guess. Yeah, he's uh, he's trapped in the heat culture. I think he needs to uh, stop drinking the Kool Aid because I think there's a better spot for him with another team. Um, I think he'd be a lot more serviceable. They, they take, they don't use him to his uh, full potential, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think he, from what I know, he enjoys his time there and he, he likes it. But uh, I think this is his contract year too, so we'll see where he ends up. Maybe he'll go back, maybe not. But yeah, just from from a player standpoint and, and getting to see him, you know, in his full comfortable self playing at like an open gym or wherever it is, like he's unguardable sometimes when he starts hitting shots because, you know, usually I'm I'm pretty tall for a shooter or whatever it is, but when he gets his little fade going, like, He's seven feet tall. No one's touching him. You know, he might be the best. He might be the best dresser on, on Miami as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might be. I mean, uh, honestly, he's such a good dude. He, he's he's been the exact same since we were in high school together, and he is now. I mean, he, he's a really good guy, and he, he's got he's got it figured out for sure. Hey Murph, so you know you you uh, in the past year, um, you started your own basketball training company. You started. Um, doing coaching with uh, Dalhousie. So you're really setting yourself up for this kind of second stage of your basketball career. So, you know, just tell us more about what Bernatowski basketball um, is meant to be, um, what, what, what do you have in mind for it and what kind of um, ideas you have for, for your, your, for your own program there. Yeah, at first it just started out as, as something to do, you know, training kids, especially during the pandemic, we could get outside and get on the court. And I, I think I have a lot I could teach kids. But then I just really like started falling in love with it. And, and it kind of grew bigger. I started getting more kids and 
doing it more and more. And then I started running some camps and now I'm kind of, uh, you know, the basketball community in Halifax is pretty small. And, you know, I'm one of the few trainers here and uh, people know me as the assistant coach at Dow and stuff. So I'm slowly integrating myself into the basketball scene here. You know, obviously it would have been easier to do in Waterloo or something like that where I'm from, but you know, it's, it's been fun and, you know, we got a March break camp camp coming up. So I'm excited about that, but, it's really just something I like doing because I do think I have a unique perspective and I've seen basketball at all levels. And I think uh, that's not something that a lot of these kids have had the access to before. And I know even for my Dow guys, you know, a lot of them have aspirations to play pro and, and I'm just trying to, you know, explain to them some of the things I've talked to you about, you know, what to expect and, and what they need to add to their game or what they need to, you know, add to their, their game mentally even, right? Like what kind of mindsets you have to have going in and uh, they've been they've been great you know it's been a tough season for them not being able to play games uh, per se we've only played a couple of scrimmages but um, yeah it's been it's been a cool experience to be on the other side of the basketball and uh, I'm learning a lot but uh, you know I definitely still have that itch to play for sure. Um, I think one of the things you're going to notice once you get back into the season maybe you maybe I don't know if you've resumed play but um the fan, the fan experience at an AUS basketball game is, is second to none. You're, they don't have a pro team to really support. So, you know, you're going to go to Cape Breton, you're going to go to St. Effects, you're going to go to Acadia, and it's going to be a packed house. And I think it's going to bring back a lot of memories and it's going to make you very hype. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, I know I've seen pictures of, you know, the AUS finals and stuff and they got the packed house over at the, the arena here and it's, looked like a really cool experience. So, I mean, I'm excited and it's definitely something I want to do because I need some more in-game experience being an assistant coach, helping out or whatever it is. So, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying every step of the way we've been practicing all year. So I've had plenty of time to work with the guys, but it's, uh, it's been good. Um, other thing I was going to say was, I think you're going to add a lot of value to the basketball landscape out East. The appetite for basketball, I think within the youth is, is huge. Um, they love basketball in Nova Scotia. And um, I think you're going to add a lot of value. Like we used to coach or sorry, we used to run a PGC basketball camp at Sackville high school. It was a sellout every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like waiting list. Yeah, no, a lot of the programs, you know, it's definitely getting uh, bigger here. There's a lot of different companies or people, whatever you want to call it, running stuff out here. And it's definitely getting a little more competitive, but like you said, um, the basketball out here, like people, it's growing. And I, I know hockey is obviously the number one sport, but I, I can't see that lasting long with the way that basketball has been growing. And even it's funny that we're doing this interview today. Last night, um, a Bedford native just got first minutes as a Nova Scotia, Nate Darling just played yes. for yep. uh, the Hornets against the Raptors. Yep. So that like, you know, that's, that's a big deal. And you know, a lot of people here are following that and it's only going to help the game grow. Yeah, I used I to think, work at uh, Bedford Academy, which was a private school, um, and I used to I used to coach the uh, the grade two, three, four, five, six basketball teams. I'm going to get you in touch with the Murph because I think that they would love to have you there. I think you could run like a clinic. Um, yeah, it's it's a really special school, and they the the owner of the private school, the principal Nancy, she loves she loves sports, and she's always willing to bring people on that can uh, that can run like camps and clinics and stuff like that. So I'll definitely get you in touch. That'd be great. Murph, have you uh, been keeping up with the NBA? Um, 
you know, I know you're busy with all this other stuff. Have you been able to watch any games? Have you been keeping up with, you know, what's going on, storylines, all that stuff? Yeah, I, I definitely keep in, in touch with all the storylines. I watch a few games here and there, not as much as I used to, but uh, I definitely, you know, keep track of the Raptors, keep track of, you know, Brooklyn Nets and Lakers and whatever's going on in the league. I, I definitely keep, uh, keep my thumb on it for sure. So what are you, who do you think is going to win the championship this year based on what you're seeing so far? I mean, you'd, you'd have to say Brooklyn Nets, but I just don't see it. I don't see them getting it done. I don't know. I think uh, I would love LeBron to get another one. I'm a big uh, ride or die LeBron fan just because I respect, I respect his greatness. I know probably a lot of people are uh, puking in, in their mouths right now listening <laughs> to this, but uh, I, I do think he's, he's the greatest of all time. I think from a longevity standpoint, like 16 years playing at the level he's played at, it's probably like his most impressive stat. Like oh, the for fact sure. That, the fact that his body is still able to like fly through the air, 40 inches high, land, his knees haven't given out, it's back. Like that's what I'm thinking about now. I'm, tw- I'm not even 30 and my body's like, I'm, I'm hoping I can walk when I'm 40. And this guy's almost 40 and been playing for 20 years. Like it's unbelievable to see for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any question when you look back and say who had the best career just with longevity, with the, yeah. the level of play for, for 17 years. With this like guy, very, very little injury. He might win MVP with Embiid hurt from the game the other day. So yeah. he, he might be, you know, he might win it or he might be top two with, with Jokic in the, in the picture. So, um yeah, man, it's crazy. It's crazy to think uh, for sure. But when you were growing up, did you have a NBA player that you modeled your game after at all? Yeah, man. Chris Bosh, baby. We used to, <laughs> we used to grow up watching him. I know you were always a big Raptors fan and like just him being a left-handed guy and, you know, he's a little bit taller than me, but he was always kind of like that mobile four. And uh, that's kind of like what my great game grew into and almost to like, a bizarre way like I was definitely more of like a driver and like rough and tough inside and then like my game just slowly morphed to being like a three-point shooter and his kind of did the same thing so mm-hmm. I mean I think there's it's definitely if there's anyone to say I don't know I mean I don't know if I was watching game film of Chris Bosch and trying to do the moves he's doing but just from that standpoint like I always thought I kind of based my game off him a little bit yeah with with, with his career uh in Miami when he kind of had to be like that third option where he had to spread the floor, he had to probably be the best defender on that team. And that does, like, I, I never really um, thought about, about that, but it does make sense because that's that's your game. You, you spread the floor, you're an amazing defender. I know you won um, several defensive, you know, all whatever league uh, defense team. So uh, there's definitely comparisons there. Um, and Chris Bosch, you know, one of our own, he is a nominee for uh, this year's Hall of Fame class. So hopefully he gets in, hopefully he retires. Um, he's probably going to retire as a heat, eh? just because of the the championships there. But, yeah. you know, we, we, we know where he, he, grew, he grew and uh, the player he became uh, when he was with the Raptors. And, he, and he's such like a, a goofy, like lighthearted guy, right? He doesn't take himself too seriously. And I think that's another thing that I kind of respect about him. He was always kind of like a, a goofy dude in general. So it was, he was easy to like, that's for sure. Even though he did have a lot of haters. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know you have the, the Colgate game to watch soon. So Nav, do you have any last minute things you want to talk to Murph about at all? 
No, man, just it's, it was great connecting with you. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, it was really nice to take a trip down memory lane because, I mean, now that I'm looking at it, I'm just glad. I'm glad you, I, I'm glad you left SJM because they had you playing rugby. You were going to get all sorts of injured if you had stuck around. Things were getting crazy. You left and I remember, <laughs> I remember I was playing in 10th grade and it's that sweet spot where like the big kids are a little too slow and the little kids haven't really started working out too much. And they don't, they, you know how you get those like jacked little kids. So like when they caught me, I could kind of throw them to the side. And then I remember one time I just got invited to Nita and I was like mulling it over. And this little kid on, I think it was WCI just absolutely speared me on the rugby field. And I was like, that, I was like, that's what that feels like. Like, no, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so that was fun while it lasted. Yeah. Murph, like we've obviously, um, have watched you grow and, uh, develop into the player that you become now the coach and the trainer. So obviously even uh, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of the boys from SGM. Obviously we're very proud of who you become, the the player you become, and the career that you've developed. So we yeah, just don't make don't make me cry, bro. Yeah, we we just <laughs> hope that you continue um, doing great work out east. You know, be able to create your business out there, create a presence for yourself, and you know we're we're definitely going to visit next year. Obviously, we have to, but um, yeah. yeah, we're looking forward to that and looking forward to, to everything that you do. Uh, so keep us posted on social media. Keep us posted. Um, through other channels but yeah man we are super proud of what you've been able to do thank you and you know what the craziest part is uh and life kind of comes full circle is i just remember um dragon stagic dan's little brother just shooting basketballs as he was like i don't know five at the time when we were in high school just shooting on the side nets all the time being around the game and then now like he's on the scouting report like they played them (laughs) last year and like I've, I've had to talk to him about the coach it's like it's just crazy how things come full circle and he's and he's having a great little start to his career at uh university of ottawa so it's just it's funny watching all these things come full circle and it's just guys who have been around their game the game the whole life and you know we we were just kind of like a random group of friends from yeah. uh from waterloo and but we just live and breathe breathe basketball that's yeah, we're just getting old, man. Like, we're basically you're just like we're, we're just getting old. Yeah, we're old, man. <laughs> we're old. I'm gonna go get a desk job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Murph, thank you for your time. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Let's go, Raiders. Let's Absolutely. go, baby. Let's get let's get that Patriot League let's championship. Let's get that dub. Let's get that dub, baby. And uh, yeah, best of luck with the surgery. Keep us posted with that. And um, yeah, man, just uh, continue doing good work. And uh, we will catch you next time. Thank you, guys. Take care. Peace.